We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's transition into those other two teams, Sean. We talked about the sort of the old guard, right? It's funny to talk about Notre Dame and Texas as not part of the old guard, but we're referring to old guard in regard to looking at the last decade, who are the teams that are just every year seem to be in that competition for a top recruiting class. Alabama and Ohio State have proven that. Two other teams trying to show that they belong in that conversation. That's Notre Dame and Texas. Let's start off with the Longhorns, John, because I think the the obviously getting Arch Manning was huge for Texas. But they had a window right after his commitment to say, let's make our run. And boy, did they ever. Yeah, I think they had eight verbal commitments and he became number nine. Texas is now up to 22 in the class of 2023. And a lot of those guys have flat out said it, even even prospects who weren't considering Texas and they're not committed. Like Damon Wilson, we talked about earlier, he flat out said, after Arch Manning committed to Texas, I called up Texas. And now, uh, two months later, Texas is in his final five. Look, total underdog and probably not going to win. But that literally got the Longhorns back in the conversation. They they stopped recruiting him. I mean, it was unbelievable. But anyway, the Arch Manning effect resonated about as well as anybody could have predicted. A lot of offensive firepower has jumped on board. Number one running back, Cedric Baxter. Top three or four receiver, Jonte Cook uh, has jumped on board. A bevy of offensive linemen, I think five offensive linemen, jumped on board. And then they're also now able to dip into Louisiana a little bit more because it's, it's Arch Manning. It's it's New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So you get, you know, Derek Williams, one of the top two or three safeties in the country. You were in it for Jordan Matthews. There's some flip buzz there uh, with after his commitment to Tennessee. So now that the defense is starting to benefit uh, from the Arch Manning situation. So, yeah, it's, it's a total galvanizing moment for Texas. Totally took advantage of it. But now, again, the season is here. So right. you won, you won the offseason. I don't think there's any doubt no. that Texas was the offseason recruiting winner in the sport. I mean, John, they, by, I, by I want to point this out to you, John, to back up your point. Arch Manning committed to, to Texas on June 23rd. That was their ninth commitment. By July 4th, which is less than two weeks later, right. 
they had landed 10 more kids. They landed more kids in the week and a half to two weeks after Arch committed than they had landed up to that point in time when Arch committed. Uh, that is it. That was and, and like you said, it was a quality pickups, quality pickups. And that just really, like you said, that changed the complete. You expect Bama's run to come. Texas making that run and beating Bama and Georgia to do it. That's the other part of this, John, because in order to get these top-ranked classes, this is what people have to understand. In order to beat Bama in the rankings, you have to beat Bama on the trail. To beat Georgia and Ohio State in the rankings, you have to beat them on the trail. And Texas did that with Arch, and then that allowed them to do that with some other kids because of Arch. And it was really an outstanding run. But as you said, now they've got to go show that the program is trending in the right direction. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face. And she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. 
That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Yeah, and perhaps fittingly, Alabama's coming to town September 10th, and that will be, by all indication, a humbling time for Steve Sarkeesian and company. But can you contend? Can you compete in that game? Can you flash with Quinn Ewers and company with who knows how many recruits? I mean, you talk about early season big games. How many kids will be at UT when Alabama comes to town? That will be as star-studded a recruiting event as as there is relative to one game this year. Again, Ohio State, Notre Dame, probably. Those are the two. The other clear kind of like number one candidate in their own right. But that's part of it, too. What, what does the atmosphere look like? What do those kids feel like? Do you go into that locker room after the game, Steve Sarkeesian, presumably taking an L on the field, and do you feel emotionally like, hey, we're getting there, like we're heading in the right direction? And can that be translated and visible to all the fans, the recruits, mom and dad, the parents, the high school coaches, the mentors, the seven-on-seven coaches, the illegal street agents, everyone in between – do they kind of say, oh, this this is different. This is different for Texas. This isn't Sam Ellinger saying we're back after a mediocre bowl win. This, this is a legitimate, okay, Texas has a chance here. If it feels like that on September 10th into the, the night, uh, the morning, I should say, of, of the 11th, then all of a sudden you feel a, a lot better about the chances of Texas finishing number one. Because if it's the opposite and if it's, a, oh, my God, this was a great offseason run, but whew. Long way to go, UT, and all of a sudden you're losing Big 12 games and you can't get over the Kansas hump. Oklahoma, even you know, with, with the retooled coaching staff, you know, takes you down again. If it starts to feel like that, you could see the wheels falling yeah. off because you're recruiting high-level players. And that's that's what you said earlier. The quality you've brought in, just as much as it was a big deal when they committed, they still have all those options. Jonte Cook could call AM tomorrow. And they're going to say yes. Derek Williams can call LSU tomorrow, and and they'll say yes, son. You know, stay stay in state. Malik Muhammad, you know, an elite corner can absolutely end up somewhere else. Cedric Baxter is from Orlando, Florida. I mean, you don't think he can call up the Gators or or anyone else, Florida State, where he was once committed? Absolutely. So the wheels can fall off just as impressively as they were put on after that Arch Manning verbal commitment. So it's clearly the program that has the most to gain or lose on the field. And, and look, Texas also has some kids that are uncommitted that, that are potentially yeah. ahead. You know, I think that's, what's interesting uh, about their approach as well. David Hicks, a big time player in state. We mentioned Damon Wilson has them somehow in his final five. He's never been to campus. So maybe he gets out there. Deuce Robinson, number one tight ends. It's USC or Texas. It feels like uh, right now. And then Jalen Hale, another big time receiver in the SI 99. We talked about coming off the board. On the 21st, Texas battling Alabama and Georgia in the and AM in that recruitment. So again, head-to-head wins against the programs you're trying to be is, is a, pred, a predicator for how you might fare on the field one day. For me, it's 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 two things have to happen for Texas. It, this game against Alabama has to look a lot like the 2019 game against LSU, that great LSU team of 2019. Texas didn't win great the game, one. but they played. LSU to the wire. The crowd was crazy live that night. You could just hear it watching the television. You're like, wow. Like I would have loved, I've been in, I've been in that stadium. And when that crowd gets going, it's a cool place to be at, right? Obviously it didn't end up real well for Notre Dame, but so I know what that crowd is like when things are going well, you could hear it in the 2019 game. I don't even think they have to win. I think they just have to compete 
yep. with Bama. And then then the pitch is, hey, guys, we're closer than people think. We just need you to come here instead of going there to do that. Then they have to follow that up by handling your business at the next three games. Handle your business against Texas San Antonio. Handle your business against Texas Tech. Handle your business against, business against West Virginia. Then you've got the Red River rivalry on October 8th. They have been very competitive against Oklahoma in recent years, in spite they of the fact won that last they, year. yes, they <laughs> yeah. gave that game away. Yeah. If they can handle their business after Alabama, assuming that game is competitive, if they can handle their business against Oklahoma, then you got Iowa State that next week, who is not as good this year. That could make Texas. That could put Texas on a run, and that's why for me, they're my dark horse playoff contender this year. And and look, they've got some holes on their roster, but they've got enough firepower, and the schedule sets up the way it has. Oklahoma State's not going to be quite as good as they were last year. Another game Texas should have won. They get Kansas State on the road. Kansas State's a good football team, but Texas has more talent. There's more talent, yeah. Always. Right. They get Baylor at home. Baylor lost a ton of kids in the NFL. So if they can just survive that Bama game and just be competitive, there's not a game left on their schedule. They can't win if they can prove that they know how to win. They should have been, if you talk about just games they led in the fourth quarter last year, what's their record? Nine and three? Yeah. Ten and two? So I think Texas has got a chance, if, but it's going to come down to the Bama game because I think a competitive loss or a win against Alabama does a lot for that Texas team like we've seen in the past, whether it was Clemson beating Notre Dame in 2015 that kind of was the final nail in the clemson coffin, right? <laughs> was Notre Dame even have it? But then Bama, what was it really that, Clemp, that set Clemson off? It was that close loss to Alabama that made people realize, hey, you know what? Clemson's legit. It was Notre Dame taking Georgia down to the wire in 2017 that gave that team a lot of confidence to go out there and just curb stomp everybody they played for the next month and a half. I think that could have the same galvanizing impact for Texas. And if that happens, Texas is going to be really hard to beat for some of those kids. And I would not want to be a team that had a commitment. I would not want to be Texas A&M sitting there mm. with a kid that Texas wanted if that happens, uh, because yeah. I think it's going to be hard. It's gonna be, I think kids are just waiting on Texas to be good again. Just look, show me you're good again. And, you know, and, and I think that's going to be the case. But that's why that Bama game, to your point, John, is huge. But the Oklahoma game looms every bit as large, in my opinion. And this is the year to get them. This is the year. If you're going to get Oklahoma, get over that hump and all that, this is the year to do it. Transition at the top where it creates more doubt in the Sooners preseason than I have seen, like, in my whole life, right? We, we always kind of know what we're getting with OU. And now – all of that is on its head. Brent Venables, a defensive guy, brings in Jeff Levy. That's a high tempo, very fast offense. How how easy is that to install year one? You know, with with a, the quarterbacks familiar with Dylan Gabriel, but who else is? You know, nobody else. So you're going to rely on youth. You're going to rely on transfers in that regard. So this is the year from a talent perspective where I think Texas clearly has more talent than Oklahoma. And that's not something we've been able to say over the long haul of the last 10, 15 years. So this is also the year to get Oklahoma and, and the timing couldn't line up any better for, for Sarkeesian and Texas relative to recruiting and relative to, to what's ahead and in, in potentially a big 12 title type season. Now the team that's had the number one spot for most of this recruiting cycle is Notre Dame. Obviously Alabama's run and then Notre Dame losing Keon Keeley has dropped them down, but they're still in that second, third, fourth conversation. Some big names still left on the board, John. This is a different Notre Dame class than we've seen. Even with the loss of Keon Keeley, it still has more points than any Notre Dame class in the last decade outside of a class that had a guy named Jalen Smith, another dude named Will Fuller, 
Another dude named Mike McGlinchey. I don't know if you've heard of those guys or not. not bad. Not uh, bad. They, they were decent. So uh, Marcus Freeman is doing some things there, right? Can he be the, the difference between Notre Dame's had some highly ranked classes early in the past, load up, and then they're done as everybody else catches up? That seems a little bit different for Notre Dame this year, John. It seems like there's still some big-time targets still left on the board. For Marcus Freeman, more than anybody else in this conversation, I would I would argue the close is going to be the key because it's not just adding players, but then keeping everybody else from picking at your carcass if you're not able to go out there and do what you need to do on the football field this year. Right, and that's and that's the one unanswered question we really have with Marcus as a recruiter, as the head coach, organizing the numbers, playing the margins, and, and making that final call on who to push for, who to back off of in, in the final analysis. That's really what we don't have from his track record. Everything individually looks great, but how do you close uh, there at the 11th hour? But look, from, from the makeup perspective, this class has just about everything. Uh, I would love to see a quarterback in here. I think mm-hmm. that's really the, you know, the the biggest uh, hole compared to the other three teams we've talked about. They all those other schools, Arch Manning, obviously Brock Glenn, Lonergan, and Eli Holstein. All those other schools, you got your quarterback. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, it looked like they were going to get one, and then they didn't. Uh, they've got a great one in twenty four, but but what about twenty three? You know, that's really the only glaring hole left. But when you talk about positional units, and we talk about this a lot, right? Love Bama's DB hall. Ohio State's receiver hall is ridiculous. Texas's O-line hall, really, really good. The receiver hall will will be really great as well. These Notre Dame position groups are awesome. I love the wide receiver board that they have been able to put together. And and, and to my understanding, it's not quite done yet. Mm -hmm. So you've got great size. You've got polish. Nice combination of upside with Braylon James and Great House and some of these guys, but now you need some juice and a little bit more athleticism, uh, maybe a smaller type prospect. Like Notre I Dame don't know, has that ahead maybe, of it. Maybe Dylan Edwards. You Teen know? it up. Teen yeah. it up. I mean, you know, they're, they're and then Tayshawn Lyons is the one that you referred to, who's a kid from California, uh, top two hundred ish kind of kid right now, but had 28, 28 catches last year. Sixteen of them went for touchdowns. To your to your point, John, and two you of know, those kids were SI ninety nine players i believe right braylon james and jane greathouse right yeah both receivers clear si 99 players that stat line reminds me of Jaden waddle i think he had yeah. 34 catches as a senior 17 went for touchdowns so it's not about uh it's not about the long-standing statistical value but when you're scoring every other time or they are close thereafter i mean that's 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 kind of crazy and again when we talk about perception that's what we've been asking for from notre dame the defensive recruiting has been amazing O-line, tight end, no questions like really ever with, with those positional groups. Can you get the galvanizing uh, receivers who change the feel? Uh, and then can you bring in some skill position talent thereafter, running back, quarterback, et cetera, to make Notre Dame feel different athletically and offensively kind of sim- simultaneously? And I think this class has brought a lot of that out in the Irish love, obviously, you know, seven SI 99 recruits right now, same as Alabama, I believe the same as Ohio state as well. So right there at the very top, Texas is, is the one that's, that's creeping up the list uh, in their own right uh, with some of the guys that are still ahead on the board. So when you talk about the elite recruits committed and then the elite positional groups really like what Notre Dame has done uh, again at wide receiver O-line is, is short up as, as any position for any school in the country uh, love the linebackers, Drake Bowen, uh, a monster. 
Uh, Peyton Bowen may, could, could end up as the number one or two safety when all is said and done. I think he's number two for us right now. It could very much challenge Caleb Downs, which is not something I ever thought I would say yeah. in this and class. Did of you see his pick six on Thursday night, by the way, for yeah. Peyton Bowen? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he got one, and then little bro got one, yeah. Eli, in the same game. I'm not going to lie mean, to you. Eli's was a little bit more impressive because he flat out <laughs> took the dude the ball from the dude and then took it back to the house. He, Eli's was, was a weight room. Uh, <laughs> Peyton was uh, watch me work kind of track. Right, the right. instincts to trigger to break on the ball and and just make it look so easy and effortless i think uh speaks uh very highly of, of his upside and uh probably uh freshman year uh impact ability there at notre dame but yeah this class has a little bit of everything all the variants you want national footprint uh just need a little bit more skill position and you know the, the quarterback question when, when does that come back right. around do you allow somebody to emerge somebody change their mind stuff like that all still potentially on the board for the irish and if, if that position is solidified it's going to be tough it's going to be tough to keep them it, it, they're not number four right now but if we were doing a ranking it'd be very hard to keep them off of that top one or two if, if those answers or the, if those questions are answered here in the next couple months when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You made a couple. First of all, if you could kind of take what you have, if you can match the 23 recruiting a quarterback with what you've done at 24, that's exactly what you're talking about, right? But you yeah. also talked about something else, John, that I thought was interesting because what is the one thing that you always hear about Notre Dame? Whether it's true or not, what's the one thing you always hear about Notre Dame? They still have enough speed on the perimeter. Right. When you watch the, the Rose Bowl in 2020 against Alabama, it was – painfully obvious for Notre Dame fans that you don't have enough athleticism on either side of the ball. I mean, you've got big Ben Skoranek size, Javon McKinley size, tight end, you know, and you had these big guys, Michael Mayer, and then on the, you know, Kyle Hamilton. But after Kyle Hamilton's like, your your athletes just can't hang with those athletes on the perimeter. You've got your Jeremiah Usakoromoj, you had NFL guys in the D-line, but you couldn't hang on a perimeter. I think that's the thing that stands out to me. You're talking about Peyton Bowen ran a 4-3-8 at Notre Dame's camp last summer. You saw the speed on that play. From an electronic time and track time, he is the third fastest kid in this Notre Dame class. He lost, and you saw it, he lost to Dylan Edwards at the future 50 in the right. 40. Dylan Edwards yep. had an even faster time. That's a kid that had 2,600 yards rushing last year and 38 touchdowns and averaged over 12 yards a carry. And then the fastest guy in the class is another kid from Texas, Micah Bell, who has run in the 10-3 range in the 100, consistently in the 10 and ran a 20.89 in the 200-meter dash this year. The same day, he ran a 10-4-6 in the 100. The same day, he jumped 24 and a half feet in the long jump. Same day. 
I think that's the thing that we're seeing from Marcus Freeman last year and this year, you know, the Jalen Sneeds, the Josh Burnham's like raising uh, Ben Morrison, Jade Mickey, raising that athleticism level. And this class with the DBs we just mentioned, Peyton Bowen, Micah Bell, Christian Gray, there's two players in the top 60 of the SI 99, a linebacker and Drake Bowen, Jane Osborne, they can both run. They can cover. They can cover. cover. (laughs) <laughs> Braylon James most years at a 447 electronic is the fastest receiver that Notre Dame assigned. He is not the fastest receiver in this class. So I think, and then if they can add Jeremiah Love, the burner from St. Louis, yep. I think that's the biggest thing that Marcus Freeman is doing that he needs to close on, hold on to the guys that we just talked about, and then add a Jeremiah Love and a quarterback. Now all of a sudden you're seeing Notre Dame add that influx of speed that you see Alabama do constantly that you see Georgia and Ohio state and Clemson do constantly that Notre Dame does a guy here, a Kyle Hamilton, a Will Fuller, you know, a, a Chris Tyree, but not doing it year after year after year. I think that's what this class adds. And I think that more than anything is why Notre Dame's in this conversation, because you look at the SI 99 guys, John, you said there's seven of them, two receivers, two DBs, two linebackers. It's only one offensive lineman from Notre Dame's class in the SI-99, as good as that line class is. Right. Six skill players at, at, in, in that. That's the difference for me. That, that's how you draw it up. Class. Right, exactly. That's, that's how you draw it up from a desirable perspective for for, the, for Notre Dame. And that's the, the day you hear they're going to hire Marcus Freeman. That's the first thing that came to my mind was they're going to go bolder and faster yeah. and younger and and be able to go out and compete athletically uh, like they never have before and and we're seeing it immediately and i think that is another great sign again as we try to figure out still first year head coach we still try to figure out you know what he is as a recruiter i, I think the identification and prioritization level early in the cycle showed us a lot now like you said it's about retention closing on on some of these final uh, uncommitted recruits where where Notre Dame is is favored for a couple guys uh that are only going to enhance this class of 2023 and and enhance in those areas in those margins that we've been asking for more from Notre Dame for, from quite some time so uh fitting that this is the the chance for a number 1 class immediately after the coaching change first full cycle before the season even gets here, we're talking about ND as, as a possible number one recruiting program. And I think the day Freeman took the job, that's that should have been the first thought. Does this now put you from, hey, we're always in that five to 15 range to now now we can throw up some top threes in the conversation because that's where it's different because you're going to have Bama in there always. You're going to have Georgia, Ohio State always there. Can you spoil and get above one of them on a relatively consistent, even if it's an every other year basis, you're in the playoff every few years. I mean, it's sometimes it's just that simple. So it's fitting that this class at Notre Dame has been number one the longest. And again, if they answer a couple of the remaining questions, they're, they're going to have a, a chance to hit it there uh, on the back end. And one of those questions also has to be, John, like everybody not named Alabama and Georgia, I do think there's an on-field aspect that needs to be proven as well. Can he take Notre Dame into Columbus and do what Brian Kelly never did, which is compete on the big stage? Win or lose, I, I look at that game for Notre Dame a lot like the Texas, the Alabama game for Texas. Agreed. You don't necessarily have to win, although a win is monumental, but you have to compete. You have to show, hey, so-and-so, you're the difference between us losing that game by three and us winning it next year when Ohio State comes to our place. You know, And then you have to go beat a Clemson. You, you, at some point in time, Notre Dame has to be defined by the games they won, not the games they 
were competitive again in like and they were competitive twice against Georgia you know and then Brian Kelly liked to claim well we didn't lose to Clemson in 2018 as badly as Alabama lost to him and we didn't lose to Alabama in 2020 as bad as Ohio State lost to him that that's not what you want to be kind of banging on the table saying we're getting closer right it's got to be starting not not your head coach not your head coach that's for us that's for us to to play around with (laughs) and and message boards but not not your head coach but that's what they need to do the on-field results have to start looking like those other teams so for texas and notre dame especially yeah you've got the momentum you know young brilliant you know offensive mind in sark who has a ring as a, a coordinator somewhere else and you You've got your quarterback, and, and there's some momentum there, but he's got to go prove it on the field. And I think the same thing is true for Marcus Freeman, especially since he inherited a program that has won 10 games each of the last five years. It's like, hey, can you keep this ball rolling, maybe even take it to another level? If he can show that, then I think he makes the original question you had about closing. I think he answers that. But, again, this is a show-me business, and players can think you're cool and hip and I like you and respect you and I think you care about us, but at the end of the day, can I win a championship with you? And can you send me the NFL? And those are questions that Marcus Freeman still has to answer. 100%. But but like you said, with what he inherited, that's a great point at Notre Dame, it creates more benefit of the doubt. All, all those things, even you feel better about Notre Dame's chances to win some of those battles because of that stability that we usually don't get when we're talking about a first-year head coach. It's usually a Mario Cristobal trying to figure out why Miami can't recruit local kids. Right. You know, it's, it's usually this crazy overhaul, <laughs> not quite the, the same situation at Notre Dame. That that absolutely should be said. And, and that's why you have an opportunity right out of the gates before you coach your first game to be in that mix for, for the number one uh, recruiting ranking, which is, again, something I've never talked about in 12 years doing this, you know, covering, you know, wondering if Notre Dame has a chance at that type of spot. It's It's been SEC heavy with a sprinkle of Ohio State and Clemson, and that's kind of it. John, I want to ask you this question. Last question as we look at this. Is there a dark horse out there? In your opinion, you say, you know, it's not likely, but if the stars align in some different aspects, this could be a team that could come next November, I mean, or December, as we kind of saw AM make that crazy run down the stretch with all the kids oh they gosh. landed in the last two signing days. Is there a team like that? that with how the season plays out and other factors could maybe be that that dark horse that not a lot of people are talking about is there a is there a program that you could see doing that coming out of nowhere and saying hey we're gonna make a run at this bad boy how about a team going to AM here in a few weeks in the miami hurricanes and i, I know you teed me up for that one but when we talk about elite recruiting what's ahead on the field and great position groups Miami's kind of hitting all those marks from the potential department under Mario Cristobal, who's already known as a great recruiter. When you talk about great positional groups nationally, the very best ones, you know, we talk about Ohio State's receiver group, Notre Dame's offensive line, maybe their receiver group, as well as as it materializes. The Miami offensive line group is becoming a part of, of that conversation and they, like Alabama, have paired it with a two-quarterback class, including a top-10 overall recruit in, in the sometimes polarizing Jaden Rashada. You've got your banner position or premium position players elsewhere as well, with Jaden Wayne as one of the edge rushers. You've got dynamic receivers in uh, Robbie Washington and Nathaniel Joseph already committed. So can you hit 
the next level. They've they've got huge targets out there. They've 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 got Okanola still on the board. Monroe Freeling is still on the board for Miami offensively. They've got to hit wide receiver a little bit harder. Um, Hakeem Williams is is on the board for them. Uh, Jalen Brown is an LSU commit that they're still communicating with. Two SI ninety nine recruits right there. If you could solidify that group and spur that into a little bit more success in the secondary, where look, you're in South Florida. I mean, there there is talent. All around you, Damari Brown is is one county north at American Heritage. There's a lot of Damon Fagan you're trying to flip from NC State, who's a teammate of his. There's a lot ahead for, for Miami from a secondary perspective as well. But like Texas and like some of these other schools, it's got to align on the field as well. You've got to go, same thing we said about Texas, playing Bama, Notre Dame, playing Ohio State. You got to go to Kyle Field, first-year head coach at this school, all that stuff considered. with you got an NFL quarterback and a lot of weapons. You got to contend and compete uh, with the Aggies. Who, let, let's be honest, you know, <laughs> every year I'm like, where is all this hype coming from? I know they just signed the number one class, but the on field hype still haven't named a quarterback. Uh, a lot of defensive attrition from that really great group we saw in in 2021. That that including their coordinator. Alabama. And the coordinator on top of it, by the way. Uh, so I, I just think there's so much question mark uh, surrounding that that Texas A&M program that Miami's got a chance in, in this thing. They've got an explosive offense. They've got an NFL quarterback who's got weapons. You know, they hit the portal hard as well as you would expect, uh, given the transition. They've got a chance to not only compete, but but win that game in College Station. So, again, you talk about a galvanizing moment. We, we know from, from the last, what, 40 years it doesn't take much for Miami to feel like they're back. And it doesn't take much to sell that given how fertile it is a grounds they recruit on. It feels a lot like Texas in this argument to where, man, if that thing clicks, it could be the story of the entire college football season and recruiting will of course reciprocate off of that. But the current group is is clearly a top 10 group for the Canes. Again, maybe the best O-line class in the country, but there's still holes to fill. No running backs committed. They need more juice at receiver and in the secondary. But if it all – Think, it all think alone, about that, John. Think about what you said. Where's Miami lacking in recruiting class right now? Perimeter. The, the skill position. Perimeter. It, that, that, that may hold them back this year in the, the race for number one, but that's going to set them up for the future because that's where I think Miami's been lacking. And I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions about the U. When it was the U. Yes, they had the Michael Irvins and the Melvin Brattons in the 80s, and they had the Lamar Thomases and guys like that. And then in the 2000s, it was Reggie Wayne and Santana Moss, and it was Zed Reed. But Miami could always punch you in the mouth in the trenches. And run the ball. Yes, (laughs) and and on both sides of the ball. And that's what's been lacking for Miami. They've had some really big-time D linemen, but they're like edge rushers, finesse guys. Their O-line has not been good in a long time. And their D-line has not been as good as it should be when you look at the talent they've had. The fact that Mario Cristobal is – that's where he's loading up right now is sending a message. And we did a prediction show on, at Irish Breakdown recently. We actually predicted Miami to win the Coastal. If they win the Coastal and they either – they beat one of AM or Clemson on the road or at least hang with both of those and then handle their business at home, you know, against Pitt, against Florida State, if Miami can be a 9-10 win team this year – that's how you, you know, let's say LSU struggles a little bit under Brian Kelly with all the turnover they had. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. look what we did, you know, this is where you want to be and do do with him like you did with Nathaniel Joseph flipping him from Clemson. 
Right. You know, I think that's the thing that could make them. That's why they're the dark horse for me. They've established the trenches in this class now because I think skill players have I've always found are a little bit easier to flip. They're more fluid, 100%, you know, 100%. and and so if that's where you need to flip. And and I think part of it's because linemen tend to tend to make decisions like based meet you even more so on the position coach and that relationship and that bond. Like you're not flipping an offensive lineman from Notre Dame, right? I mean, it's not with Harry he stand here. It's just not going to happen, right? Right. But can you flip a receiver? Can you flip a corner a DB? I think that's where Miami could get dangerous if they can if they can show promise. Not to win eleven games, just show. Hey, look, we're going to get this thing turned around. I think Miami could be a team that you you don't want to have a committed kid that Miami wants if they win nine ten games this year. If yeah. you're a, if you're a not if you're anyone named not named Alabama, Georgia, and you know m- maybe that might be the end of the list right there. <laughs> and and the one question we 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 are still waiting to answer with Freeman and Sarkeesian that. That we know that answer in Miami. We know Crystal Ball can close. Right. He flipped a couple of recruits very late, you know, days after he took the Miami job, and and obviously is off uh, to a great start in this class of twenty three. That part we know of. So I think that's where again, when you when you put the on field product together, that's where it becomes a legitimate high upside program. Where yeah, this could be the premier team recruiting in the ACC above Clemson, which is something that obviously nobody's been able to do for the last six seven years. Thank mm-hmm. you.